cool. We're live. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Spencer. Hey, Susie. How are you guys doing? Hello. Doing excellent. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> Glad to have you on, you know, finally on our uh, stream right now. So I know you've been doing a lot of, you know, YouTube streams and a lot of live videos and events. So we're so glad to have you join us today. Uh, we want to catch up with you and see what you've been up to and learn more about, you know, you and your business in real estate. So um, to break it down, let's do, let's do this. So, hey, hey, everyone out there, I'm just checking out real quick, make sure you guys see us. And, you know, we want to introduce you to Spencer Sue. So if you guys haven't heard, uh, Spencer Sue is actually a San Francisco Bay Area real estate agent. And, you know, he's born and raised in the Bay Area, and he actually comes from a technology sales career. And he now he's a full-time realtor. And we want to go through today and just learn more about how long he's been in business and what he's been up to and how he has grown so fast in real estate. So we want to talk more. I'll let Spencer dive in right now and go from here. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you very much. And it's great to be on the show. Um, yeah, so... I'm born and raised in the Bay Area. Uh, when I graduated from UC Davis, I studied biotechnology at the time. And uh, I knew that wasn't the path I wanted to go down from a career perspective. So fortunately, I got into tech sales pretty early on in my career um, back in 2008. And uh, was in that industry for over, 10, uh, over a decade before I got more involved in real estate. And uh, I got involved in real estate initially as an investor. Um, by flipping homes here in the Bay Area. So I came from that approach and that angle. And as I went through that journey, I got to meet a lot of realtors and felt like this was a uh, an opportunity for myself to be able to help a lot of people with uh, my knowledge and my background. And, and that's where I'm at today. Nice. Great. Well, hey, Spencer, it looks like you're very active in the local community from small business spotlight videos to weekly market updates and lunch and learns and ADU seminars and Asian Real Estate Association of America, you know, uh, ARIA and Taiwanese American Professional TAF, and the list goes on. Um, so who or what motivates you to do so much? Um, quite frankly, there's not a specific person per se. Um, I just find a lot of pleasure and a lot of joy doing and being very busy. Uh, I know a lot of people are trying to have this kind of uh, early independence, uh, early retirement, sorry, early retirement, but I can't think of myself uh, in that position of ever retiring per se. I, I really enjoy the, the grind. I enjoy the day-to-day -day activities. And also every day I get to meet new people. And that's very exciting because you never know who you'll meet. You never know what store you'll learn. And, um, that's also extremely motivating where the next conversation you have could, could change your life. Uh, so there's no particular person. Um, it's just a joy of meeting new people and, and getting able, being able to work with people. You know, you, you mentioned like, for example, you're in like small, you're doing small business spotlights. You're doing weekly market updates, lunch and learns, ADU seminars. How do you have time to do so much and, you know, to meet so many people and to be able to manage all that? Um, I mean, number one, I have a very supportive wife um, that allows me to be able to go out and, and do all of this. Uh, that's, that's, uh, without her, um, none of this is possible. So I'll definitely commend my wife on that. Um, at the same time, it's about, it's about being very disciplined. So you know, I'm a big fan of blocking things out on the calendar and ensuring there's no distractions during that time. And so if you're able to plan out your day um, the night before, 
you could do a lot of things. And there are specific areas that I want to focus on and I make sure those are taken care of. Um, and as long as you're disciplined, you'll be able to do a lot. So that's that's my advice. And that's how I, I manage my my week and my days. It, it seems like a lot because I, I don't even think most people can do like, you know, like uh, even like once a month, a small business spotlight, like weekly market updates, weekly lunch and learns, ADU seminars. It's, you know, definitely a lot of great events you're doing and it's a lot of um good materials and information you're definitely you know reaching out to a big community but even most agents they're not even you know doing one one of those at all why is that yeah i'm i don't know i mean i i the reality is i have no idea what other agents do or what they're doing with their time um i know at least for the market updates you can't imagine how many comments i get of wow nobody does this nobody drills through the data like you do um no one's upfront and honest about what's going on with the market every single week, being consistent, being on top of things. And so I was, I was like, yeah, this is a great opportunity for myself where, you know, I don't, it's not appropriate for me to, you know, bombard my clients with information, but if they want to tune in, they can tune in anytime it's recorded. If they really want to get a market update, they can see any of the episodes. Um, so it's, it's a way for me to also passively communicate with my audience so that, uh, I'm still being thought of as a, I'm being looked at as a thought leader at the same time, I'm not being pushy, you know, telling them what it is. I'm actually showing them the articles and the data. I think your, um, the market updates definitely helps a lot. Like even I watch your uh, market updates and I think the value you're providing to, you know, everyone online, all your clientele, all the information you provide definitely helps people see, um, how you analyze things, how you look at the deals, how you look at what's going on in the market, local market, in the community itself, the Bay area and helps people figure out a little more details. And by you being a thought leader and just showcasing that it, they understand like your process and your process means a lot because when they see the value you provide in knowledge and the knowledge that you're sharing and you're able to, to articulate it that means a lot especially to a lot of um people like you know for example people who are um, analytical and want to understand the numbers and why people are you know putting a price on that in the current time and you know what's the future effect of let's say predictions of hey what's going to happen in the next three months uh one year with COVID-19 and whatever uh but by being able to you know just take your best educated guess on that and you know, not knowing the market what's going to happen tomorrow for sure, but by doing that, you're able to provide a kind of like a consistent value and make them understand. Okay, yeah, I actually think Spencer's right. I actually think that I see that too. I see the trends. I see what happened to all the tech companies out there who's doing layoffs. Without that data, and people just say guessing, like, hey, go, this house is worth a million too. Okay, what kind of data backs that up? I don't know. I'm just looking online, right? Comps. But what else backs it up? But by you doing that, I think people will understand really quickly the value you provide is so different from most other agents out there. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I just had a conversation with a client recently. You know, they were making offers with the prior agent and the agent never even shared them comps. Mm. So I'm like, how is how are you making a wise financial decision when it's all about feeling and about guessing? Yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's, you know, how I look at real estate is a combination of art and science. On one end, you have to like the house. I mean, you're going to be living in it for several years. You don't want to, it's not pure numbers. So there's that component. It's about feeling. The other component is looking at the data, like knowing that you either got a good deal or you know you're paying above market, which is okay at times if you really love the house, right? But it should be all available for you. Um, now, 
exposing the data, of course, from a salesperson perspective, it could help or hurt you. But I look at it as a long-term thing. And if they know they, they had a, a good experience and a good deal and everything was transparent now, uh, I think it'll, it'll be very positive in the long run. I completely agree with you. Like, for example, when I look at data as an investor and as a real estate agent, I tell my clients, sometimes I tell them, don't buy it. It's not the right time. You need right. to uh, negotiate. If you don't win it, it's okay. It's not worth it right now because you're going to lose if you're currently pay overpaying right now um, right. for this investment. What you need to look at is long-term values. How do you predict what's going to happen in the economy? And like when I was helping multi-unit people buy properties, uh, and even back in 2008, 2008, when no one was buying, I was like telling them exactly here's the plan, here's why it will go up, and here's how you drive prices up, here's what's happening in the local markets, here's what we project is going to happen in the future. Without that value, um, it would be so hard to just say, hey, I just pay this price, you'll, you'll be fine. I even told some clients to decline properties, and they declined it, and they, they're so happy they did because the house went down. But for other properties, I told them, hey, you need to pay 30000 more, buy it right now, the house is going to go up. They declined that, and then the house went up 400000 $500,000 after, like, sh I should listen to you, right? Yeah, so just knowing the data and show, showing the value and, you know, being real transparent about it is really good because in the long run, what happens is even after 10 years, they're referring you so much business because they know that you're here for them in the long run and you're providing analytical value to prove why you think the house will go up or down. You can't guarantee it, but you're providing educated value to help them grow. And they understand that as an asset manager, portfolio manager, real estate consultant, advisor, that you're watching out for their best interests. Yeah, I mean, my goal as a real estate advisor is providing them as much information as possible that's, that will help them make a decision. And it could be data, it could be the competition, it could be disclosures, like things to be aware of. So the goal is to uh, give it to them in a concise way, um, but they, sh they will be fully prepared for every individual property that we're going to make a, an offer on. Um, that's how I look at things. What do you think about that, Susie? I know you're pretty analytical too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Spencer, I think that's a great point because, you know, you can't make the decisions for the clients. It's up to them to make the ultimate decision. But what your role is as an advisor in real estate and in financial uh, aspect is to provide them with the data and the analytics out there. And you're basically just providing with that support. So I, th I, think, I think that's a great point. Nice. So Spencer, uh, I know that your slogan says, create a better life today. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means and how you came up with that? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we all need our slogans. So I had to think of something and had to keep it short. And the motivation or the reason why I, I chose that and I still, still stick with it is if you think about anything, especially real estate, why are people buying a piece of property? Why are they upgrading to another property? It's because they want to create a better lifestyle. Now, it could be a bigger, more comfortable home. Uh, it could be when it comes to work location, so your, your commute is a lot less. Um, it could be as an investment to grow your wealth. So everybody has a different motivation as to why they're looking for this upgrade. And it, a lot of it is almost an upgrade in life. And so... The slogan is having a better life today because we don't know what will happen tomorrow. So it's be able to say, hey, look, if you have the funds and you have the motivation and you have the interest to improve your life, why not do it today? Nice. 
So, you know, um, one thing we talked about, you, you came from a tech background and you were doing tech sales. Um, do you think that technology is disrupting our real estate industry? I think there's no doubt that it is more and more of the thought process of uh, the real estate journey from idea to ownership has been uh, influenced by tech uh, more and more. You think about kind of the real estate tech 1.0 per se, like a Zillow or Redfin, they have a fantastic consumer interface. And then you have other players in certain markets that are more the iBuyer space that are actually facilitating, facilitating the entire transaction. Now, they have been hit very hard um, right now. And I have many friends that work there, so I know their business model. And in certain markets, it's still not applicable, like the Bay Area. Um, but it's an option for consumers. So there is more and more tech that will continue to influence uh, consumers uh, as we go on. What made you to decide to, um, you know, kind of get into real estate? Because if you come from tech background, you know, I assume in tech backgrounds, you're making pretty good money out there. You're, you know, you are a sales manager in tech um, and you, you know, work with a lot of great companies like Amazon, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft. But like, why switch over to uh, becoming a full-time real estate agent investor? The actual reason is um, several. Is one, when I started doing the investing side, I got to meet a lot of realtors and realized most just didn't have the background that I had related to being more analytical and also coming from the industry. So there's a, there's an opportunity that I saw on one end on the other end, the interesting part about tech sales is yeah, the money is good and then money is, can be phenomenal in that industry. And it, it's still a great industry for a lot of people. However, I felt, I felt I wasn't benefiting from living in the Bay area per se. And what I mean by that is, if you think about my job in the past of an enterprise sales manager, I would have maybe a hundred companies in the entire West Coast that would be my potential can uh, my potential clients. And if you think about it, within those companies, there's probably only a few people that would be buyers of my product. So I would travel across the coast consistently, but I would be only meeting two or three people from each company, and versus here in the Bay Area, like I got to go a lot of events, I got to meet a lot of great people, but I knew I couldn't help them because they're never going to buy my tools. I mean, they're never going to buy a million dollar workplace technology software or anything like that. It just wasn't relevant. And most people didn't even know what that was. That was the other interesting part <laughs> where, sure, we're on in the Valley, but most people have no idea what most companies do. And so I knew, it, you know, I, it was kind of a missed opportunity where I got to meet a lot of people. I knew I can help them in different ways, but the the product that I have in tech in, in the tech sales side wasn't is never applicable. So Spencer, uh, how have you been helping your clients right now as a realtor, and what kind of value have you been providing for them? So right now, the most important part is um, I. For the most part, I actually don't focus too much on real estate discussions with most of my clients. It's about number one, how are they doing health wise? How are they how are they doing job wise? I know a lot of people got affected with recent layoffs. And so my goal is to continue to help connect people because there's also also plenty of, key, of people that are still uh, working and they're still hiring. And so for the people that got laid off, I, t I told them, look, any job postings that you find, I probably know somebody at that company. Don't 
be scared or be, you know, down on yourself because you got laid off, let me know. Happy to do the intro. Happy to get a referral in. So at least you have a better shot than just submitting it online. And so a lot of it is the outreach of just seeing how people are doing, touching base. The The benefit of this is that from a real estate perspective, it's less busy. I mean, obviously, I, I can barely go out for the most parts. But I've been catching up with a lot of people more than I have for the past year. So um, it's good to hear and, and it's good to reconnect with a lot of people that I haven't talked to in a long time. How do you think? Uh, how do you think the buyers and sellers and um, investors are feeling right now in the Bay Area specifically? I think it depends. I mean, and that's the that's the beauty of that's the beauty of real estate. We all have our own opinions, right? Like some people say, "Hey, look, the the end of the world is coming. I'm I'm not going to buy for in, for two years." I'm like, "Here's the data. It's up to you. I'm not going to push you." If your mind changes, I'll be ready, right? So you have some set of people that way, and that's fine. It's it's their money. They can do whatever they want with it. I'll be around. They can do whatever they want. Some say on the seller side, hey, look, the world's about to end. Let's go sell now. I'm like, okay, I get it. Let's let's try to get your house sold as soon as possible. And there's others that are long-term, like many of my buyers are long-term because we really don't know what happens in the medium term. We know what happens in the short term because I know what's happening on a day-to-day. I know what's going pending and what they're going for. So I know what's going to show up on the market report on sold for in one or two months. I know what's going to happen in the long term, which generally over the last three decades and four decades, the average real estate price in the Bay Area has gone up between five to six percent. This medium term is always unknown, and that's more timing. And I'm not a big fan of timing because nobody can time anything. That's not possible. Now we can create a portfolio just like stocks. So maybe it's not the best time to be over leveraged. Like that would be my advice to my clients if they want to buy. You know, just because you can afford the max doesn't mean you go for the max. Have some buffer, right? Have some reserves. And because over a long term, if you can survive the market downside, if there is one, you'll do fine. But I also warn people, what if you're wrong? What if the market does not go down? In the meantime, you may be paying rent. Rent tends to continue to increase over the years. And that's a guaranteed loss leader. That's a guaranteed sunk cost. So they have to kind of keep that in perspective. Um, of course, number one is health. Number number two is job security. But if those are fine, which many are fine, um, then it's to think about their investments. So Spencer, um, you mentioned job security. So what, you know, like how, how are you basically, you know, informing your clients who might have recently been laid off or furloughed or um, have that, you know, job insecurity or, you know, they're, they're worried that they can't pay for their mortgages, you know, for your past clients. How are, how are you, how are you handling that? Well, I mean, if you got laid off and you got furloughed, then there's no job security. So, so their goal is to find another job as soon as possible. Um, so th- that's a different situation. If you got laid off and furloughed, don't even think about buying real estate right now. Find out about focus on getting another job, seeing how you feel, and we'll reconnect in three to six months. I mean, I don't mind waiting that long. It's not a big deal. But for many others, there's many strong companies out there. Let's make no mistake. While COVID is bad for a lot of industries, it's also phenomenal for other industries. Some industries are just 
I mean, their stocks are all time high. They're still hiring like crazy. I mean, look at a company like Facebook. I mean, they're still trying to hire 10,000 employees this year. I mean, that's insane. That's, I, a lot. That, that's more than most layoffs combined. So it's important to understand like there's some companies that are doing phenomenally well. And if you could get a job there or you work there, you should be in a pretty good position. And even Google, while they they had announced that there's they're hiring uh, a hiring freeze, that's not across all sectors. I've talked to many people there, and a hiring freeze also does not mean layoffs. That's also it's very different. You know, hiring freeze just means they're less aggressive. I mean, if you look at Google last year, they hired fifteen percent of their workforce. So you you could argue maybe they hired too much to begin with. So maybe they're just kind of slowing it down. So it's important to understand like certain industries are doing very well. A lot of people are still doing fine. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a specific on that individual and where they work. So what, like, what kind of industry, uh, for tech companies, which companies do you see that are thriving right now? And which companies do you kind of predict are going to fall? So the ones that are the most effective, and you saw it recently as of yesterday of Airbnb, right? And Airbnb, I mean, phenomenal culture, like what the CEO has done for the people that are laid off. I looked at their package. It's like a four-month severance plus weeks, depending on how many years you've been at Airbnb. I mean, that's a very big uh, severance package for 25% of their employee base. Um, so generally, anything that services uh, transportation, um, travel, generally a lot more small businesses are heavily affected. Um, so you think of companies like Yelp, Airbnb, Uber, uh, Lyft. I know Lyft, I think last week had a, a layoff of about 15% of their staff. Uber, maybe likely something similar soon. So those, of course, will be affected because we're just not traveling a lot more. Now, hopefully, as things get loosened up, those, those businesses will pick up. Um, so those are the ones most heavily impacted. Uh, the ones that are more positive are um, the social media companies. So LinkedIn had did phenomenal. If you look at their earnings report uh, last week, Facebook's doing very strong because people are using Facebook even more often. You have the streaming services. So Netflix is doing very well. Uh, even parts of Disney is doing well with their Disney Plus. I saw their report just, I think it was yesterday um, or very recently. And so there's a lot of these uh, businesses that are just shifting um, to what people are are actually able to use today uh, that are still doing very well. And, and the interesting part is I guarantee there's going to be a lot of interesting new companies that come up because of this. I mean, look at the way that we're talking right now. We wouldn't have done this in the past. We may have got together in a physical room to do a stream. So there's going to be a lot of interesting new innovations, especially related to conferencing that's going to blow up. Um, so there's going to be a lot of interesting things. I think right now, especially too, like you just mentioned, uh, we're we're all kind of getting used to it. it's like what day forty seven now, forty eight. I don't even getting, know now. Yeah, I, I kind of losing count. Right, we're yeah. kind of like just you know, <laughs> changing. Yeah. And I think that like all of us are kind of getting used to Zoom. We're getting used to Facebook Live, doing these streams across multiple platforms, and it's getting easier. And we're all adapting to it. We're all getting more comfortable learning, being on camera, and just providing value. And when I think about it too, it's like. Before we used to do this in the office, um, you know, and meeting rooms, and it's you know you're only communicating this much information and value only to the select group who attend to the event, and they have to drive there from whatever location, park, go to your event, and then 
drive to the next meeting and they're spending so much time doing this now that we can do this online and we always have been able to do it online but we're able to feel more comfortable doing it now that we're able to provide so much more value and we're able to share it with the world like this video right now is a you know it can become a repository and it can be played forever and the fact is that this information is at the time or even in the futures has so much relevant value that you can provide it forward and everyone can hear it and reshare it i think that's so much greater now and i'm you know i i like that we're all doing more videos and sharing all these mastermind groups and events and just going across it's a you know a bigger engagement to the a bigger audience right exactly and, and there's so many things that are of benefit that we didn't think of before or didn't need to do before so for example the commute time I mean, you think about the Bay Area, that's why prices are what they are is a big factor is where you live has a lot to do with your lifestyle. Like you may have to commute one or to two hours one way. And it's not, not, not very far from a distance perspective. It can take only 30 minutes. So there's that aspect where like, let's say we were to do this and this was at your your studio in, in Burlingame. I mean, it would have taken me an hour and a half to get there, hour and a half to get home, three hours mm -hmm. for one hour interview. Yeah. Right. And then now I could do this. And I could go do something else because I have something else afterwards and I don't have to leave. Or the other aspect is now think about the content that you can have here, right? So like, let's say you want a top producer. So I have an interview at 12 o'clock with two top producers, one in LA and one in the, in Orlando, like these opportunities are now coming up and everybody can see it. So there's a lot of very interesting aspects. Like the other area that I want to share is, you know, I'm part of the Palo, Palo Alto Rotary Club. And what we talked about recently was, you know, in the past, a speaker had to fly in. We had our lunch, you know, every every Monday. But now they're like, well, why do we have to do it this model? Why don't we do it where we can have many Rotary Clubs together and some killer speaker that speaks to all of them? Because the speakers also think the same way. It's about how many eyeballs or how many viewers there are. So if I'm going to 100 people, that's one aspect. But if I'm going all of a sudden to 1,000 people, that level of quality of speaker you're going to get is going to be much higher. So there's a lot of things that are changing um, in all sorts of different circles. And it's very interesting. I think engagement is definitely changing. And the fact is that, yeah, like you just said, from 100 to 1,000 to a million, it's out there. And it's the possibility is endless. And the fact is, if everyone starts doing it, getting used to it, and uh, the better they get content marketing, providing better video, better quality, it, you know, you can share this with everyone, all the Rotary Cups out there, and they can kind of join forces together and create more value for the whole communities across all, you know, across the world. It means more now. Exactly. I think one thing too like you see um everyone talking about like going online especially like college campuses they're all moving online event planning event big event companies you know they're going online now and they're trying to create events online throughout you know and think about the cost savings of flying the all the equipment setups and everything else and they're able to provide the same kind of value uh, on an online format that's um you know going to be something different to see i can't wait to see actually on in May, uh, I think May 14th, 15th, we're going to have an EXP, uh, EXP World or EXPCon, the summit. And that we're going to be able to see how EXP is doing it, how they're going to have a conference. They are supposed to be in Orlando, Florida, but now they're going to do it online. Um, can't wait to sh share that with everyone. I think there's, I mean, there's aspects where there's, I mean, the longer that we're in this shelter in place, the more we will get used to it by necessity. And that will create more opportunities to be able to explore different ways to do what we're doing now. 
Now, there's, you know, I, I think when things get better, I mean, I love um, in-person conferences. I, I used to go to events almost every night. So I love that aspect where you can randomly bump into somebody and it's just, you, you just have, you strike a conversation. That will be missed. I'm not sure just yet how that can be done in this, you know, virtual model. I think it's really great from a learning perspective, as in you can all hear a speaker, but that that randomness of colliding with some person that either becomes a partner or becomes a client is an area where I'm not sure just yet. Maybe at that EXP con, everybody gets randomly assigned into breakout rooms. I have no idea. But there'll be certain aspects that will be missed um, of, of live events, but there should be certain things phenomenally a lot better especially if they can record the sessions um that that would be that would be phenomenal i think that's what they're uh, planning on and even if you looked i think last week facebook announced they're doing the messenger rooms and they actually talked about it like they talked about the social engagement how can we get everyone online and you know compete against zoom and other companies out there but the what facebook mentioned was uh, mark zuckerberg mentioned is that for facebook messenger we're going to have like you know rooms you can have on your facebook profile you can go live on the room you can actually put on their specific settings where you can say hey anyone who sees my profile or sees me going live can actually just come in and walk into the room and start engaging with us of course you still have privacy aspects where you can keep it private you can keep certain people out certain groups out where you can fight certain groups in. So this, that'll be interesting where you can just go in and say, hey, Spencer's doing a live event. I'm actually going to go in and actually engage in the video on with them in there, um, you know, and then play with that. Google Meet came out and sure. then, you know, Zoom has Zoom and Zoom rooms. So you can break do breakout rooms. You can do recordings on that. Uh, for EXP, EXP World, for Bella, you know, you definitely have a university style classes, rooms, auditoriums, and they can do sessions per each room. You can walk around and actually run into random people, different states across the world and talk to them. And that's kind of interesting to see how this will develop over the, to that side of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, one, one thing. So, you know, we're, we're separated and we're sheltered in place and we can't really meet people in person, but I think the virtual platform still connects everyone all together. And although there is that aspect where you can't bump into random people and, you know, meet them and say, Hey, you know, and, and then just talk with them. Still the virtual platform provides you an opportunity to reach out to not only nationally, but even internationally as well. And also forever because your videos will stay there forever. And I think that provides even more of an outreach that you wouldn't have even thought about just going to one single event uh, for, for one evening, so. No, I, I agree, I agree. And, and, that, and that's what I'm saying about like the, the innovation and the things that will change from the way that we communicate. I mean, now you have Facebook and Google, Microsoft already had their products. You have other new companies that will see this as an opportunity to make something that's different that the big guys don't see. So there'll be a lot of change happening. Yeah, especially like, you know how when you're doing your uh, weekly market updates and you're doing it on YouTube, you're doing it on Facebook, and you're sharing it. But you know how if you did that normally at an office, you're just speaking to you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 people. But now by putting on YouTube, Facebook, you can speak to just those same people. But at the same time, you know, we don't know the exponential of how many people share this and reshare it or find you on these platforms. Uh, and 
say, hey, I'm actually, even though I'm not in that area, I'm actually looking to buy in that area and I'm actually getting these updates and I see Spencer providing this much value. When I'm ready to buy, I'm going to contact him or other agents who work in different uh, locations can say, hey, actually, I know a great agent. He always talks about market updates in the Silicon you know, Bay Area and I'm going to contact him when, you know, and that speaks tremendously more than just having local, you know, local events here, local engagements. Yeah, that, that's actually why I also went through the videos and, and why I'm doing more of them is because I get asked questions all the time. And some of them are the same questions. And they're rightfully so. They're good questions. And I thought about it. Well, if these people are asking these same questions, I'm sure a lot of people are either too scared to ask or they don't, they're, they don't know to ask. So why not make a video about that question? And now whenever they want to view it, they see on my channel, they see on my social media. They'll know that answer without needing to ask that question. They're going to ask that question at one time. So like my next video that I plan to do is like closing costs because I get asked that twice this week. I'm like, okay, I get it. There's not that much information there. So let me do a video explaining about what closing costs you can expect. So like that will help a lot of people because I'm sure everyone will have that question when it comes to that time. They just don't know it yet. And, um, so, so that's the way that I look at it. It's just, it's just more scalable too. Otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm repeating the same thing over and over, even though they're just different people. So I'm saying the same thing, but these different people are, you know, it's their first time hearing it. And the other benefit is when we make these videos, whether it's this interview or the online videos, we also have to be, we have to be more precise of the content that we want to share. So it's beneficial because we, we kind of package it we're not, we're just, we're just not ramp on things. It's very concise of the actual answer and the data that reflects it. So it's, it's helpful too, because it'll, it'll make me, you know, every time I make a video, I have my notes of what I want to cover all almost like a script format, but it's not a script and it, it condenses and it makes it just clearer of what I want to present. And so it helps me from a communications perspective too. I agree. And actually, you come to a great point where you talk about how you know many people out there are asking you about the same question. And the fact is that you can create scalability. And like I was just watching earlier today, um, Grant Cardone, um, you know, how do you 10x, a, uh, 10x anything you do? So for example, like if one person asks you closing costs, you know, there's 10x more people going to ask you the same question. So by you providing that one video, and you can share that for pretty much a lifetime, of general closing costs. Here's how it works in our industry. And here's how it works in you know this specific area, for example. And now that you're sharing it to you know one, ten, a hundred people, it saves you so much time, provides so much value, answers the question for everyone, and they can reshare with all the people they need to share with, rather than you speaking it one at a time to each one individual person, family, or group. Um, that's definitely a great way to ten uh, exit. And other thing too is if you look at it, you can actually turn it into a form of like a search engine because now when I go online, I search, Hey, you know, how do I do real, how does real estate closing costs work? And you pop up as the number one, you know, person and they see your video. So in, and then now they can contact you right away. And if you do that over time and create a lot of different value, even Gary Vaynerchuk created a Gary Vaynerchuk search engine because he has so much value and he uses his hashtags as a search engine now. So you can pr pretty much search anything he ever talked about all in there. So if you started hitting every single category, every single question out there, you're providing massive value upfront. And you could, while you're sleeping at night, all your questions are being answered and they're coming to you for the right resources to you know buy real estate. So that's the exact way people should be thinking about it. Exactly. It's a, it's a library of content. And you look at Gary V, he's been documenting his work for 
for a long time. Um, so he has plenty of information and, um, and content that you can watch for the rest of your life, probably by now. <laughs> so much content. Um, and it's all, a lot of it is very good. So yeah, that aspect is, uh, you know, I agree with that. It's still relevant today too. Even if you look at his videos 10 years ago, those, yeah. that content is still relevant. And you just see him changing and improving over time and adding more and more value every single day. Um, you know, it's great. And he's, exactly. he's fast and he, you know, he's, he's connecting with the world and sharing everything he knows. There's no secret left behind. He just basically giving you everything. You decide what you want to do. You decide if you want to work with him or not, but by him sharing it, he's, you know, he's becoming the thought leader and becoming the number one person to talk to about you know, social media marketing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Spencer, just based on your research and your analytics of the current market, uh, what do you think is the current state of the market right now um, since we're sheltered in place? Yeah, the short term is, is a challenge um, for buyers because we have this inventory squeeze right now. Um, I'll have to look at what the new report is on Friday that I'll do. But the trend has been ever since the shelter in place, the, the number of new listings that hits the market in most counties continue to drop. However, the buyer's confidence continues to increase and there's more and more buyers getting into contracts uh, as the weeks went on. Because the, I know we're stuck in the house all day, but think about it. We're, it's still the spring season. So it's still the busiest season of the year. Um, and people are getting more and more confidence over the weeks. So right now we're having this squeeze. And what that squeeze is causing is um, either a support of prices or even some areas, prices are continuing to increase. And you know, people may not want to hear that. They may think otherwise because of all the, the doom and gloom happening in the in, from a press perspective. But it's the reality if you want to look at it from a data perspective. So I suspect this is going to happen for a while, um, at least for the next one month, uh, maybe two months as we get into the summer time frame. So that's kind of what I think short term. As so, I mentioned, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was about to say, as I mentioned, the medium term, I, I don't know because there's too many factors like we're, we're and we're watching them right now. So, for example, Georgia opened up recently and all, all our states are opening up. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Like what if they're the geniuses and we've thought that the percentage of people affected are not that bad. I mean, that changes the whole game because all projections are all are are all over the place. Or what happens if it's really bad? Then that's that'll be they'll 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 have a different trajectory. So there's too many unknowns for the medium term um, to be able to understand like what will happen. And as I mentioned, long term Bay Area is considered a safe haven for most. What I see this time that's interesting is most recessions in the past was caused by a financial problem, and even most recessions, real estate did not get affected that much. The last one it did because it was a real estate caused recession, but most recessions, real estate weren't that affected relative to the rest of the, whether the stock market or, or other asset classes. And this time around residential real estate may be a safe haven. So that, that, that makes things very interesting where people may flee to it for various reasons um, that people are not accounting for. So it's always very important to understand when it comes to recessions, when it comes to anything related to the economy, not all asset classes will react the same. And it doesn't do as justice if you're thinking it would. 
So you mentioned too, um, you're you're an investor in real estate. Um, are you currently investing right now? Looking to invest right now um, in the California area or out of state market? So from a real estate portfolio perspective, so my investments are kind of diverse in the sense I have cash, I have stocks, and then I have uh, apartment syndications or uh, syndications in general, and then I own properties in the Bay Area. The two real estate asset classes that are interesting is on the syndication side, I'm most are, are wait and see. I don't think anything will play out for the next six months to, to 12 months at the very earliest. So there's not much I see happening there because things have to play out. Um, you know, people have unemployment, so they can easily pay rent right now. The lending side is kind of back and forth. And, I, and most of the people that I, I know in that space are just wait and see. It's too early in the syndication space uh, for many, many large moves. So that time will tell for that. On the real estate side, uh, I've been eyeing a third property for a while now. And so this is an interesting time for me. I've been saving up capital for it. I can I can do it. It's a matter of finding the property. So I am actively looking for a third property here in the Bay Area. Good. It's always a good time for me. It, even for us, like, we agree. It's always a good time to always be watching and learning and seeing what the market is uh, doing and how uh, the portfolios are doing, the investments, the numbers, the rental profiles, and whether people are actually paying rent. Um, you know, April, May, June, keep going forward, and how many? What's the percentage of that uh, versus you know other things like evictions or vacancies? Um, just watching it. And yeah, even for investing in syndication, the things I do over um, in syndications, I don't see everyone's kind of watching wait, but they're always keeping an eye out, especially right now with. The small property owners and multi-unit investors you know some people need to sell some people can't afford to keep paying the mortgage the rents or even um with commercial spaces you know the vacancies there uh, people are dropping out so it's kind of like wait wait and see if you see a good deal think about it take a look at the numbers if it makes sense um you know definitely talk to a good real estate investor agent who understands it and see if this is actually a good property to buy negotiate you as much as you can and plan for a future and plan for the hiccups that come in place one of our syndications that we actually did uh there was a you know the normal vacancy factors like you know 10 to 15 percent but then they were able to negotiate it at 25 percent vacancy so they got wow. a good deal they were able to say hey even though we just spent 30 40 million dollars on this syndication we can wait it out and even if the vacancy drops we are calculated at 25 percent vacancy so today guess what day one you're already making money no matter what happens if it goes down past 25, we lose a little bit. But if it goes up, you just got a lot of upside. And that was a great investment. Yeah. And I want to add to that. Like people, I mean, I get questions about people are just kind of waiting and timing the market and, and waiting for everything to drop and then they'll buy. That's that's not really how it works typically. Like, for example, that example, if they were waiting, that opportunity wouldn't come by because exactly. there's deals to, there's deals to be had right now. Now, it's not going to be common. But if you found a position where you had that limited downside, because you already had that price factored in. Like even if it dropped another 10%, 15% vacancy, there's still it's that's what they bought it for. Yep. So so there, there's a huge buffer that people don't understand. Like I helped a client recently buy in Belmont and and it was just lots of praise for you know 10 to 15% higher just a year ago. And I told my clients, this is a, you got a steal. And everybody actually knew, knew it was a steal. But they were able to do it because they were confident enough to say, look. Everything seemed like it was crashing, but if I have a 10 to 15% buffer in Belmont, I have a huge safety. Like even though if even if it was as bad as the last recession, like I'm still pretty good relative. Because I looked at the data of like you look at I looked at the the recession figures as well of every city in the, in the real estate caused recession. 
And like places like Belmont, San Carlos, as bad as it was, as everything was burning down, those places went down at most 10 to 15% at the worst of times. So like people have to also understand perspective. Like there's certain areas that will get affected significantly more. There's certain areas that are extremely strong and are the first to rebound if it does uh, go down. So it's all relative. Everything, everything has in a sense, somewhat of a bottom of a flooring. And so it's not right. It seems back to that analysis. It's not right to assume, oh, wow, the, the real estate assets class dropped 40% across the U S. So that means if I buy in Cupertino, it's going to drop 40% and I'm going to go in. Like, that's not how it works. Cupertino dropped like 5% in the worst of times, right? So it's very important to understand the specific sub-market and understand the dynamics of that because some things are just, it's just not, the expectation is not there and it's important for them to be aligned. So Spencer, um, for the buyers, what type of buyers are you seeing right now and how how is the buyer's confidence building uh, during during this time? I think there's several because one, if you look at um, interest rates, they're still very low. They continue to drop. Now it's not dropping as fast as people may hope, but it's still very low relative to what it is. As I mentioned, rental figures are still high. So you always have that against you. They're not, I don't, even right now when people can't pay rent, a lot of my clients are still getting asked to either sign a long-term lease or even rent increases right now. I would have thought they would have been decreasing by now, but even as bad as it is, they're still increasing rent. Like when is it not increasing? So there's these components where they have to understand what is their situation uh, is, you know, from an expense perspective. So that's one side. The other side is what is their job, right? It goes back to the companies. If you're at a company that you don't feel secure um, and those, those, those are the different clues that I brought up, then then just wait. I mean, wait and see, see what happens. I mean, I, I don't mind that. The last thing I want to do is help you buy a house and then now I have to sell it because you can't pay rent or you can't pay mortgage. So that's their personal decision. But as I mentioned, those are the industries that are uh, more affected versus others that are generally safer. Um, so that's that's the aspect. And just time, time tells. Like people get used to things, right? I mean, people in the beginning, it was also... If you think about it, when we when the shelter in place first happened in the Bay Area, it was so restrictive, as in realtors were not essential services. We couldn't even go see a house. So how am I supposed to do a transaction when I can't even leave my house? And so that was a that was a case in the beginning. And then weeks later, we can go see vacant houses. Great. And then starting on uh, uh, Monday, uh, just two days ago, we can now see occupied houses. Great. So there's a lot of things like that that are slowly helping realtors at least be able to help more people, but also that helps consumers where they know, okay, well now it is number one, safer. We're going to follow all the proper protocols. Don't touch anything. Wear masks, wear gloves, right? But at least it, it, it allows more options. Um, and so that, that definitely helps because right now make no mistake. There's plenty of people looking. It's just, there's very little to choose from. And so it's, it's very difficult. So I tell my clients, this is on one end to be patient but another end to be ready because there's not much out there and you just don't never know when the one that you like in a neighborhood will ever come back. So if there's 
not much out there. Is there ever a doubt that, you know, maybe right now is not a good time to buy because there's not much inventory to look out for? No, because that's one of the things like how how would you know what inventory levels would be like right now? The trends are is getting worse. And and the other thing is inventory is for also very important because inventory is a figure on a high level. So, for example, San Jose will have X inventory or Milpitas will have X inventory or San Carlos will have X inventory. But it doesn't tell you, OK, well, I like this neighborhood. When does something there come? Even if inventory 10X, that neighborhood may never have something. You just never know. So you have to always be, you know, it's not much work. I mean, you can either do it on my website. You can do a Redfin Zillow. You can easily create search alerts. So whenever something that you have circled somewhere comes up, you're, you're ready. It's not like you're manually searching on anything. So it's very little work to be aware of when things come up. But it's also important to just constantly be looking um, because you don't want to just look at inventory figures or low. Oh, it's I, I can't buy anything. You just never know when that particular property in a specific area comes up. And it's like this too. Like, even though inventory levels are low, you always want to be ready and you always want to be looking. You want to have the alerts set up. You want your agent to make sure they're always watching out for you. Because what happens when a property comes to market? It's like, it just sold and it sold for that cheap. How come I didn't know about it? How come I didn't look at it? And how come I wasn't ready? And you miss out on those good opportunities when you're not prepared. And even if, no matter how much inventory is, one, 100 doesn't matter. Always be prepared. Always know what you're looking for and make sure you're ready. Exactly, because it's the interest. The market is interesting right now, where you have some properties that sit on the market for a while. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just maybe the the right buyer didn't come by, and you have others that are still selling before it even hits the market. When it's listed as coming soon, like it's still sold with multiple offers. So you can't you can't be like, oh, the market is bad. Everything is bad. Nothing will move. No, 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 no. That's why I show the data reports. There's we're only down about thirty percent from a transaction volume from before the shelter in place. So that means 70% of activity is still going on. It's still a lot of activity. And you can't just be like, oh man, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't know where, where it will be. Um, I'll, let's wait a week or two. It may be gone. And then who knows when that's going to come back. So, and then you'll have regret. Exactly. Even uh, even now, like for example, when you look at properties on the market, there's properties that sometimes they sit there and you don't know really why. Sometimes it's the marketing. Sometimes it's the property. It's just the way it looks, or it's the timing of the, the that week, that day, and yes. the current economy, and, and people are getting laid off or not. But if you miss those opportunities and you look back after someone you know steals it, you're like, oh, I should have got that property. I should have put it in. I was I wasn't ready, or I was ready, and I just didn't think about doing it you got to take action on properties you see and there are some good deals like even i looked at this past week there's i saw like one or two good deals that people should grab and then they just sat there right and then now yeah. they're gone people are like oh I, I didn't i wasn't ready i wasn't thinking i thought the market's slow i thought there's nothing on the market you know you no. got to take the opportunity to look at it and see why it's sitting there and understand maybe it's a seller maybe uh sometimes the price drops dramatically right after but if you weren't ready you didn't look at it and you, you didn't know like some properties I saw in like even Melbourne and other uh, areas dropped a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, and then it just got snatched. Yeah, the other area to be aware of, if if you think about it, if buyer buyer activity has been increasing. So last week I did a report. There's twelve percent more mortgage applications from the previous week. So there's a lot more buyers now. So and if you think about it, if inventory is dropping like this, that means the existing inventory, that new buyer that's now pre-approved then it may have not been in the market looking. So ones that are older, 
doesn't mean that it's not good, right? Because you have new buyers that they're seeing it for the first time. So you never know if something sits on the market for two, three weeks, four weeks, you may still have multiple offers because they're now discovering it because there's nothing left on recent times. And now they're discovering it at this point and want to make an offer. So you also have to be careful where don't assume all oh, it's sat for three weeks or sat for four weeks. It's not a good property. Look at it together with your agent. Nothing is hidden. There's no secrets in this business, right? You can see comps. You can read the disclosures, read the reports, and then you can make the judgment based off of that information, not about, oh, it's been on for, on for four weeks. It means something's wrong with it. That's not, especially right now where things are all over the place, that's, you don't want to exclude that. Yeah, so they, sh they should go back and take a look and see what's on the market, see what expired, withdrawn, uh, canceled, and just think about it too. Like, have you seen the property? Is this something you want in the area you want it in? Is this something you can negotiate on? Just because it's sitting on market at a certain price doesn't mean that's going to be the final price. You can you know, definitely try to negotiate and ask and learn more about it before making a decision. That's right. And, and, and that's the other aspect. If it is on for several weeks, they may be more open to negotiating. And so there's opportunities where, hey, look, you maybe thought a million dollars was too high for it. Well, at that point, why don't we have the conversation with the agent and see, you know, what kind of room that we have to negotiate for this? So you may you don't have to wait for them to drop their price. I mean, there's opportunities where you just have a conversation with them, see what their attitude is, and then you can you might be able to get it at a lower price that that you're happy with. Um, so, you know, I guess uh, on a more personal note, what's your goal in life and where do you see yourself in the next three, five, 10 years? Uh, yeah, goal life. Um, I'd like to ultimately grow a team myself. Uh, there's certain aspects are, I think that, uh, I want to do from a leadership perspective that I did in the tech sales role. Uh, as a sales manager. So I, I enjoyed that aspect. And interesting enough, I may actually be hire, thinking of hiring an assistant right now anyways. So if anyone's watching and you know somebody that either got laid off or might be uh, looking for a job and wants to get more involved from a real estate perspective, I, I may be hiring an assistant because there's there's a lot of work to be done right now. And uh, there's I see that has plenty of opportunity to do a lot of things. So there's that one aspect. So I think in the next several years is um, is growing a team that's one aspect. The other aspect, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the syndication space will, will be very interesting in terms of larger projects. So I may, I may get more involved in that um, in about a year or so, depending on th how things look out. So I've, I've reached out to a lot of people. I've made good connections already. You know, I trust these guys. I've invested with them. I know what they do. So there may be some interesting opportunities on that space. So I may be more involved in that, um, but it depends on where it is at that time. So I'll say those are the two main things. They'll keep me busy for a while. I think those are great things, especially the syndication part. Um, going to real estate investing syndication is definitely a move forward. And if you look at the biggest real estate um, investors out there, a lot of them are syndicators themselves and also passively syndicate to others. And that's something I'm actually actively working on right now. And I think that's a great space we can talk about and how to keep going forward in that. I passively and actively are and doing syndication. So it's a lot of fun. It's a diff totally different. It's all about investing, all about the numbers and all about growing portfolios. And this has a lot of educational value in both spaces. So I look forward to working with you on that too. Yeah, it'll be fun. Spencer, so what kind of investments are you looking into? 
uh, more like real estate properties? Like what, what type of properties are you looking to, you know, grow your syndications? For? Well, the syndication side generally are, um, I see a lot of opportunities potentially, like I said, the next six months will, will be interesting because it, it, it does need to fall in place. There, there has been a lot of very much like people flipping homes in the past or during the Airbnb arbitrage here. Most of them got killed. Um, and I mean, on one end, it's sad. On the other end, it's there may be over leverage to begin with. They're just doing it wrong. But that's that's what happens in any market. People see it's the next shiny thing and they get in. Uh, when it comes to syndication, it's the same thing. There's a lot of bad money chasing bad deals. Or sorry, money is not <laughs> bad. It's just money, but chasing yeah. bad deals. And so they really, I don't know if they didn't know what they're doing or they had to take action because they took a $50,000 course. It, it happened in many industries in the investment space. So a lot of them should have some sort of distress uh, if their projections are not uh are not conservative. I mean, if you think about it, let's say the projections was a uh, rent increases 5% every year. And they had that baked in to be able to pay investors. And what if now rent drops 10%? Well, their whole math equation is completely backwards now and they're losing a lot of money. So it takes time for things to play out. That's why I said I'm not in a rush for that, but because of how much interest was in that space in the past, I think things may have gotten too frothy. So there may be some fallouts from that. And that will be very interesting to pick up uh, for those that are disciplined. And so the people that I work with are very disciplined. And um, that's why they're they're They'll be looking, but not right now. It's just too early. Yeah, I can agree more on that. Uh, uh, so, yeah, one more thing. So if there's one thing that you can provide um for an advice for sellers and buyers well what kind of advice would you provide for that so i always have to break it down um between the two because it's very different and a lot of it has to do with time frame as well it's very important to understand time frame it's just like when you think about stocks right like over a long period stocks do very well real estate does very well over a long period the question is time frame so if you're about to retire or your retirement is coming soon, your risk to write things out is much more limited because you need that money for other things. So if you were nearing retirement and you have a property anywhere, it's probably a good time to sell that because we're still, the prices are still strong. Now it may take longer than it did before where it sells in one weekend, but it'll likely still sell uh, and it'll sell it for a very good price. So that's one aspect from the selling side. So it really depends on their time horizon. On the buy side, same thing. And it also depends on the buy side, how many properties you own. Like the biggest thing is this, like for many of us, we own multiple properties. Many people, many of my clients own multiple properties. So you have this aspect, just like a portfolio. We have the benefit where, let's say we do, do nothing. We don't sell anything. We just keep it as rentals or just keep it as properties. If we are... If we are wrong where the market does not go down, we still get into the upsides because we have exposure, right? That's very different than, let's say, somebody renting. Because if you're wrong and the market does not go down, you have no exposure to the area that you're working in. So you would have missed a boat. Because a lot of people think about this. Like they think about 2010, 2012, and they're like, oh, man, I, I should have bought then. I should have bought more. I should have done this and that. 
you know, if you bought it in 2014, 15, 16, you still would have gotten 30, 40, 50% more already as well. Like there was a big increase there. But if people just kept remembering, oh, that time was so good. Everything was so cheap. I mean, it doesn't matter. It, it, it was what had happened in the past. So, so for first time buyers, as long as they're back to health and job wise, you're doing fine. You have the the ability to get a loan, which is still available today. Then think about it. It's it's for your time frame. You're not trying. You're not a flipper. You're holding it for at least several years until, at the very least, you're trying to trade it up or buy a new property. So, for that perspective, over a long period you're going to do well. So those people should still consider to buy right now. But if you're buying multiple properties, then that's up to you, right? That depends on how you're stacked. What's your percentage of real estate versus stock? Do you want to rebalance it? Because I have some clients that they, they're very scared of the stock market because it's very schizophrenic. Never in history did we have these kind of swings. Like I just listened to Sam Zell yesterday. This is unprecedented. There was never a period where it was like 500 basis points, 1,500 basis points in one day or down a day. Like it's all over the place. So some people may be scared or scarred from that. You're not going to have that kind of swing in real estate. That's not how it works, right? So people may use real estate as a safety haven, a safe haven for that, whether it's people locally or, or foreign investors. So it depends on, in that case, it's different. It's about their portfolio management. And whether they work with a financial advisor for, or they want to have you know a little bit more exposure on real estate, uh, or a little bit less, that's up to them. But it's more of a asset perspective than a, a black and white uh, clear answer. Nice. So you know, um, just we're about to wrap up here, but I just want to ask you a question too. Like you know, you came from a big um, real estate company before um, and franchise, and now right. you moved over to um, EXP. So just wanted to ask, like you know, how did you come to that decision to move over? Yeah, there's several reasons. Um, so I was at Keller Williams out of Palo Alto uh, for eight, my first year, and then as of December, I switched over to EXP. Um, Keller Williams, I mean, make no mistake, it's a great company, huge company, uh, way bigger than EXP as of right now. Um, great company. There's nothing wrong with the company itself. However, when I when I did my yearly assessment, I wanted to understand from a business perspective what was Keller Williams providing me where I was at my stage and, and what would any other company, not just EXP, it could be Compass, it could be Cobalt Banker, it could be any company, like what what was their values that they're able to provide of where I want to take my business? And there are several things that um, I knew that EXP had. And then so, several things that I, I got to really appreciate given the, the times that we're in. So the, the big areas was one, from a monetary perspective, the cap rates are very different. So the cap rates is how much commission you're paying to a company before it's all to you. It was substantially different. Um, it was a, it was a net of about $24,000 a year. And so I looked at that. I was like, well, is any company or is that company worth $24,000 a year? Or can I use that money for nicer client appreciation events, you know, different marketing, different things. And I, I couldn't make it match. So that was, that was one, um, two, I like their aspect of, uh, the mentorship aspect. Uh, you know, not not from a recruiting perspective, but from that we all take place and get benefit of other people doing well. Because if you think about it, like, for example, when I looked at the different business models of the companies, 
I knew how their structure was. So I knew how, you know, generally at a KW office is really that local office, their managing partners, their owners, they're the ones that make money as you bring on new agents. Well, with eXp, they've kind of broke it down all virtually per se, where the people that are, are getting the benefit are the individual agents. So we're owning like these mini businesses per se, if you want to look at it that way. And it makes things really interesting because it could be some people local. It could be some people I know that, that would be want to join me and join eXp from the East Coast, right? So there's this aspect, just like we're doing now from a virtual perspective, like it's not bound to a specific geography anymore. And, and quite frankly, it's just beneficial for everyone because they also get the benefits of a lower cap and th they can bring on whoever they think will be a good fit uh, within our group as well. And then the, the other thing that I'll bring up is related to the, uh, the training aspect, right? Because for the most part, I was pretty trained already. So I felt like, sure, a lot of these things are just kind of added, added as a bonus. But especially when the shelter in place took place, I was like, oh my God, I'm glad that this company has this setup where you can go any type of training from very entry level, like you just got started as a new agent to very experienced uh, individuals that are doing, that are heavy hitters. You, you can, there's programs Monday through Friday from literally, I think like 6 a.m. to like 3 p.m. So it's all day, every day. Um, many of the uh, sessions are recorded as well. So you don't have to be there at that time to make it. So those are a lot of really great benefits that I got to see afterwards that I didn't, um, I, I wasn't aware of before. I couldn't agree more. Like I think when we first started looking at it and figuring out what makes sense for small brokerages, independent brokerages, um, even franchises as financial models. And one thing we like to look at is the financials. Like what makes sense? What's really adding you value? And how are you as an agent building your business? Are you actually looking at your financials and understanding your P&Ls and understanding how you're building a real business? Or are you just working a job and just selling today? And if tomorrow you don't sell, you're unemployed. Uh, understanding business financial models, that helps because now you can say, hey, I am allocating my assets of commissions to pay to a broker to you know, now take those funds and utilize it for my clients' appreciation, values, um, educational, and just growth. And let's say you have 24000 Imagine if you started putting that money back into having assistant or towards your marketing budget, how much faster could you grow? Is the difference of the 24000 or more uh, better usage for yourself rather than just giving it away? Or is that company really providing that much value? I understand people want brands, they want names, they want recognition, but are they providing you the value that you're paying for them? I have some friends who are paying like eighty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 a year commissions to the broker. I'm like, right. what, you know, why are you there? Is it working for you? And how has how they helped your business? And if they haven't helped your business, have you ever thought about you know taking a look? Uh, for us, the educational value having nine to you know six a.m. to three p.m. and some of the best speakers in the world, some of the top sales agents, teams, and brokerages in the world are speaking here almost every day. I, I couldn't find that anywhere else. I couldn't provide that anywhere else. So it made sense for our entire team to move over. And I'm glad that you know we have you guys here, and that we're all sharing in this value. It makes sense, and I hope people get it. Like you know what. It doesn't matter what company you are with. Just make sure that you're getting the value you need to grow your business. Yeah, and I want to add to that. I mean, we, we actually we, we brought this up in the beginning of the conversation related to the models itself. I mean, think about this. Most, you know, eXp doesn't have physical offices. And in the beginning, people were like, oh, well, how are you going to meet clients and all this stuff? 
I mean, think about it now. Like, what's the point of a physical office? Are you still paying your monthly dues? And you're not going to go into that office. That's for <laughs> sure. And I don't know when you're going to go into that office, but they're still paying rent. And then I would not want to take a client to that office either right now and risk them getting sick. So you think about everything. I mean, everything has changed. And this is this is a almost a structural change that's that's happening altogether. And you know, fortunately, EXP, now whether it's lucky or whether it's just positioned right and maybe they had the foresight. I mean, no one has the foresight of this kind of issue, but this will accelerate that conversion because people should look at it like. Well, in the past, you would say, okay, I paid my dues because I get to use a private office. I got a little nice office space. I can meet clients there. You got to rethink that now. That's not going to happen for a very long time. And, and does it still make sense? Um, it's a simple, just quick analysis doesn't make sense right now. And I think people will, will come to it. And back to what you mentioned, you know, when, when I was at KW, we had great speakers as well. But think about it, same, same challenge. That great speaker is going to be presenting, in that case, maybe to 30 people. But at EXP or, or any any company that can have this kind of platform, they're they're presenting to hundreds, if not thousands at a time. Back to that mentality, that kind of speaker would be way more motivated to go to that event than to travel to some local office to do for 30 and then have to repeat it again at the next office. So there's this aspect where it's back to scale. Um, EXP has got it right from that perspective. And um, that's just where things are going. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I have, I hope so. I hope people start seeing that, realizing that, thinking back about the last 48 days, like how has your business changed? And are you realistically, how often are you using the market, uh, office? I know some agents who say, yeah, I need an office. And I ask them, realistically, how, how many times have you been in there in the last year? Oh, about right. four times. Four times, and you need an office, and you're paying this monthly dues for four times. I actually haven't thought about it yet. That's right. You haven't thought about it. You should really take a look and you know look at the financials you're you're spending to have an office that you don't even utilize. And how come you don't utilize it? Well, my clients don't really need it. They'd rather meet me at the coffee shop or their house or their property for sale, or at online. And what exactly? And, yeah, uh, I'll add to that. Like uh, when I looked at it at the later parts of when I was there, I thought about okay, well, you're right. Think about how many times you actually use the office. I was like, when did I go to the office? Let's go pick up commission checks right when I get paid. And then, then I thought about it, like, why is my commission check here? Why don't they just mail it to my house? Like, why am I even driving here to do that? Or why is it not direct deposited? It makes no sense. Exactly. And so, like, so it's just bizarre. It's just absolutely bizarre. Um, and so it's, it's just because oh, you're, yeah. people are used to it. They're, I'm yeah. used to that way. So I'm just going to keep it that way. Well, now things changed. And now people are getting used to the new way, the, the way it should be and the way things are going. And I couldn't agree more. I think that's the best way to put it, you know? It's 2020. It's times are changing. This is it. They're changing. I think these are all great points. Um, you know, Spencer, just like you, I came from a large brokerage firm, you know, Center 21, and they were a great company too, right? Like they had all the support and they had all the, you know, brand recognition, right? But then, um, you know, like the major reason why I moved to EXP, just like uh, what you mentioned, Spencer, is your personal brand recognition. It they, they really help you from the ground up to build your personal brand. And I think no other company supports that as much as EXP. So that's what I'm really grateful for as well. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So let's let's wrap up, guys. Um, oh. So Spencer, how can everyone out there, you know, buyers, sellers, investors, agents, reach out to you? Yeah, so there's several ways. Um, I, you know, the information that you just posted there is, is perfect. They can easily call or text me anytime. 
uh, I work a ton. Uh, so my motto is as long as I'm awake, I'm working. So there's no too late, too early. If I don't reply, I'm probably asleep. So feel free to uh, call me. Uh, you can email me at spencer at spencerhsu.com. Uh, you can also, if you want, you can also passively watch my uh, content on YouTube. I upload at least about three videos a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So you're welcome to check out these things passively. And I'm always ready for a conversation. It's never too early. You know, some of my clients, I tell them this, if you're, if you want to buy even in the next three years, that's fine. Like it's always good to have the framework now. So you're prepared and we'll talk in three years when we're actually going through the actual journey, but it, a five minute, 15 minute phone call to understand what's happening now and understanding the pro the process. I do that all the time. I have some clients that are actively looking now, some that are three years later, I'm not going to push them, but they should at least know and have a trusted advisor every step of the way. So those are the ways um, to get a hold of me. Perfect. Any last thoughts, Susie? No, I thank you so much. Uh, it was a wonderful interview and you know, thank you for imparting all the great value that you add uh, and all the, you know, uh, the information with the data. That's uh, very valuable for everyone to know. So thank no, you. absolutely. Thank you guys for getting this set up. You guys are doing amazing things with this podcast. I'm, I'm excited to hear other guests that come on and uh, I hope it was insightful for everyone that was listening. Yeah, I appreciate it, Spencer. I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, yeah, the information you provided was so valuable and I th hope people actually listen and understand and take in what the uh, great agents can be doing. Uh, Spencer has been doubling his business and is growing dramatically. And I'm so glad that you're continuing to doing all these YouTube videos. It it matters and I see the value you're providing. And you know, thank you for sharing with all of us. Uh, we will have a lot of great upcoming speakers and you know, look forward to having you as well uh, coming back to our other ones. I'm actually having syndicator lawyers coming online, uh, other great speakers from magazines and um, other parts of our vendor industry. So I look forward to having them too. But for now, uh, you can check out our other interviews, mastermind events, and more at youtube.matthewma.com. And we'll see you guys soon. Thanks. Awesome. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you like the contents, please be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating.